Hey, what's up, everyone? My name's Zach Olinger. In this podcast series, I talk about relationships. Now, I know, as a man, you may not want to talk about relationships. Or you may even tell me that the relationship that you're in is already pretty good. But I'm going to invite you to consider this. Could you be a little bit more fulfilled in the relationship that you have? I would like to have you consider that there may be other ways to kind of see the conflicts that are truly just unnecessary that we all experience in a different light. And if you're open to receiving or just giving me a little bit of your time, then I look forward to my guests and I inspiring you to become a man that can have more freedom, less conflict, and more pleasure in their relationships. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me on another episode of The Real Zach Olinger. Uh, today, I'm very grateful and honored to have Dr. Debbie Silber on our show. And she is the founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. Um, and she's done some discoveries on betrayal and healing. And she works with others to like move beyond blocks. And she's the author of um, The Unshakable Woman and Trust Again. So thanks, Debbie, for taking the time to be with us today. And uh, she'll be talking, actually, we'll probably just rabbit trail through a couple of things. But I guess to start off, um, you know, if you would want to start talking about what led you to get into the, um, you know, your research, um, you know, into founding the foundation that you've that you've started and, and all of that. So I find that story fascinating. So thanks. Uh, thank you. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. You know, I don't think anybody wakes up and says, well, you know what, I think I want to study betrayal. Like, in, you know, I don't think that's ever the case ever. Uh, and, it, you know, this is, this is my 30th year in business. And as I would change and grow, so would my business. And then I had a, uh, a horrible family betrayal. And I thought I learned everything there was to learn. And apparently not because couple of years later, it was my husband and anybody who's been through it, you're shocked, you're blindsided, your, you know, life as you've known it will never be the same. And, um, and I looked at the two experiences and I thought, well, what, what's similar to these two? Because I don't believe I signed up to be the poster child for betrayal. And I realized, you know, it was always about everybody else. My boundaries were never really firm. And I said, you know what? That's it. Now it's my turn. So here I was at four kids, six dogs, a thriving business. And I was like, I'm getting a PhD. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the psychology of transformation and human potential, because I was obsessed with transformation. I was changing because of this experience, didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. And, uh, and I dove into this program and then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? That study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. That's awesome. I love uh, I love hearing about it um, in the sense of like uh, of the passion, and it's such a. I mean, it's a topic I can definitely relate to, having been on both sides of the equation. Um, and so, I guess like my my next question would be like, what um, what was that? Ex- what did that experience like look like for you? And like as you went through that healing process, because um, I think there's a lot of people that can absolutely relate to betrayal in one form or another from any, any relationship. So um, I'm interested in what your healing journey looked like, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. Of course it was, it was brutal. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. You know, I, I had, um, I had been through disease. I was in the ICU for 11 days. It's a miracle. I'm alive. I've been through death of a loved one, lost my mom. 
but this felt different. Actually, that was the first discovery. I was studying um, betrayal and post-traumatic growth. Post-traumatic growth is like the upside of trauma. You know how any trauma, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, leaves you with a new awareness, insight, perspective you didn't have. And I was like, yeah, that's true, but this is different. But I didn't want to assume. So I asked everybody in my study and I said, if you've been through traumas besides betrayal, does it feel different for you? And hands down unanimously, they said, it's so different. And it's so different because it feels so intentional. So you take it so personally. So the whole self has to be rebuilt. Rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, belonging, trust, they all get shattered. So that type of healing needed its own name, which is now called post-betrayal transformation. I was no different. I was, you know, of course, whenever broken, bent, all of that was shattered. And, uh, and I, I, didn't, I didn't know how I was gonna move through it, but I also learned from the research, I saw there were three groups who did not heal. And it was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. It was the, you know, and that was one thing I saw clearly and I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm not doing any of that. Um, I don't know what it's gonna look like. I'm just gonna put my head down and I'm not picking it up until I am clear out the other side. Um, and I'm just going to be there for the kids as best as I can. I'm going to show up for my clients as best as I can. And I am just committed to healing. And if I can heal from this, I'm taking everybody with me. <laughs> That's awesome. So there's, there's phases. I've watched your TED talk, right? You said there, it's that it's a predictable type of healing process, oh, yeah. but you also have to choose it, right? Like you have to be willing to go through the process to like actually progress through it. Right. It's not, I mean, or because people can get stuck in one phase or another, I assume. Is that, is that accurate? Like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's actually, that was, that was the next discovery, which was, you know, while we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and so many of us do, if we're going to fully heal, we're actually going to move through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is we know what happens now, physically, mentally, and emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. That's how we know healing is predictable. And I lay it all out in, in trust. Again, it's what, it's what we teach in the Institute. But what, um, you know, that, that was so exciting, but we see so often that people get stuck and they get stuck in one stage and that's stage three, the most common place to get stuck. I'm happy to go through the stages if you want, mm -hmm. but um, we don't even realize it. And that's, and that's where we land. But healing is always a choice. And that's also what I learned. And it's what we teach. Heal, whether you heal yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It wasn't an option to rebuild with them. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you may have the, the opportunity to rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. That's what I did with my husband. So here we were, you know, as two totally different people, um, and we married each other again, new rings, new vows, new dress, and uh, our four kids is our bridal party. And I never, ever, ever would have done that had I not completely transformed and for sure uh, if he didn't do the same. And one of the biggest challenges I see with so many people is they're so afraid of that death and destruction of the old. And I'm talking complete and utter death and destruction of the old, but it's only in that can you birth the new? 
you know, and, and people are so people ask me all the time, can can trust be repaired? I say no. Can it be rebuilt? Yeah. It's a grueling process though. Not everybody wants to do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I can absolutely appreciate that that symbolism of just like you gotta raise the bar and you gotta burn it all down and just start from scratch. It's the phoenix rising from the ashes. You can't you can't repair necessarily you can't have the same structure in place uh, it makes a lot of sense to me um and at the same time where a lot of people um i could relate to that as well where it seems like a lot of people would be resistant to that idea because there is this there's a lot that goes into that um as far as energy and feeling and then choosing to be that raw and vulnerable again with like the very situation or person that brought it that that help engender the situation to begin with that brought it to the to to head so that's um that's really awesome and impressive in in the sense that um i should just honor the capacity uh you know that you have to do that because that's a real commitment to what you want you know what you have to do to to get it well and, and i see it it really is well first of all i i, I see that that for the person the the person who did the betraying mm -hmm. it could be the greatest wake-up call of their life of course, the person who's been betrayed, it is the biggest shock of their life too. But the person who did the betraying, they could just, you know, be like, yeah, and, or, you know, or they could, they can completely wake up and, and for, and I look at it like, you know, it'll show you, betrayal shows you who someone truly is or who they temporarily became. And, and I think, you know, in my husband's case, he was the one who told our kids. And there's something about when you sit your four teenagers down, and they look at you and they're like, you did what to our mom? Like if anything is going to have you wake up and show you what matters, it's losing everything that matters. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, that's something that stuck with me as well. A lot of us don't seem to appreciate or know what we have um, until it's gone. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So there were a couple of questions that came up as you were um, talking about it. One was, um, about like the, the different stages. Mm -hmm. um, and I would love to hear more about those. Uh, and then another another question was about, um, yeah, the, uh, the getting stuck piece, uh, because mm -hmm. I feel like I've totally, <laughs> I've gone through a divorce and had some experience with, with some of this as well. And there was like a five-year period that I felt very stuck. <laughs> and so yeah. it's just exploring that stuff. But yeah, I'd be fascinated to hear more about sure. those pieces. I and you will see exactly why you get stuck in one stage. So, okay, so these are the five stages. And I'll tell you in like the geekiest way when the chairperson said to me, you know, Debbie, I believe you've discovered a process here. Like, I think my head flew right off my body because I was like, wow, now there's, now, now there's like a, a plan. There's a roadmap. I mean, that was just hugely exciting. Yeah. So the first stage one is like a setup stage. And, and I saw this with every study participant, me included. And it was like, if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. And what I saw with everybody was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental. And not really taking much you know, time about with the, the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing, not really paying much attention to the feeling and being. That's where our intuition lies. We turn that down. But picture a table with only two legs, easy for that table to topple over, that's us. That's not saying if you were busy thinking and doing, it's a setup for betrayal, it's just what I saw. Stage two, the scariest of all the stages. This is the shock, this is trauma, this is D-Day discovery day. Here's like where the person takes the mask off and you're like, what? 
and it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. And here you've ignited the stress response. So you're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around the information you just heard and you, what you just learned. And your worldview has just been shattered. That's your mental model. These are the rules. This is how life works. Trust this person. Don't go there. This is, this is how we do things. And in a moment, every rule has been shattered. The ground you, has bottomed out and a new ground hasn't been formed. It's terrifying. But think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, what would you do? You'd grab hold of anything and everything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Who can I trust? Where do I live? How do I feed my kids? Here's the trap. Because survival, once you figure that out, because survival feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. So you're like, Whew, okay, all right, we got this. You have no idea there's a stage four and stage five. Transformation hasn't even happened yet. But because you think this is it, you start planting roots here and a few things start to happen. The first thing is you get to be right. You get your story. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Should I trust you? Should I trust you? Forget it. I'm not trusting anybody. You start planting some roots. Now, because you're not supposed to stay here a long time, but you are, now the mind starts doing things like, well, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not as great as you think you are. Maybe you're not all that. Deeper roots. And now because like energy attracts like energy, now you're calling situations and circumstances and you to confirm this is where you belong. It gets worse, but I'll get you out of here. Because it feels so bad, but you have no idea there's anything better waiting for you, here's where you resign yourself to, well, you know, this stinks, but I guess this is as good as it's going to get, so I better be okay with it. So right here is where you start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, TV, keeping busy, reckless behavior. You do this for a day, a week, a month now, it's a habit, a year, five, 10, 20 years. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that drinking you're doing, that emotional eating you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? They say, but that happened 20 years ago. Doesn't matter. They put themselves in a perpetual holding pattern that whole time, you see? So that's where most people land and stay. Anyway. If you're willing to let go of your story and the benefits and all those things, you grieve you more, a bunch of things you need to do, you move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo this experience, but I can control what I do with it. And when you're, I always use the example of if you were to move to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not there, it's not quite cozy yet, but it's going to be okay. When you're in that mental state, what you're doing is you're, you're actually turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but you stopped causing the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. Now, this is what's so interesting with this stage also. If you were to move, 
you don't take everything with you, right? You don't take the stuff that doesn't represent who you want to be in your new space. And what I saw was if your friends weren't there for you, right here is where you've outgrown them. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation and they don't belong anymore in that same role. Anyway, when you're in this place, you're making it okay. You're making it your new mental home. You can move to stage five, the most beautiful stage, healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind, you're making new rules, uh, coming to new conclusions based on what you know, based on what you've been through. You have a new worldview based on everything you see so clearly now. And the four legs of the table in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. As you were speaking about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I've, would it be accurate to say that like, in some areas of our life, we progress through five stages, like, like a different and different like cadences, so to speak, like, um, because in some ways, I'm kind of like, I felt like I got to like, stage five, but it took Mm -hmm. me a while. And then I'm like, I still think though, in some areas that I may not have gotten there yet. So does that, does that pan out? With the stages, we found the order doesn't switch. You don't leave a stage out, you outgrow one as you move into the next. So you could still dabble with pieces of it or other situations can bring a, you know, a different set of five stages to you, but, um, but you, you tend to outgrow one. So it's not a clean break of one and you move to the next. It's more like outgrowing it as you you move into the next one. So there could be, would it be accurate to say there could kind of be some overlap where you kind of feel like you're doing part of one and still experiencing some of the other like is there like a shade like a gradient like a shading into like yeah like for example you you know you may be let's say you're you're moving out of stage three which is the hardest one but you're uh you're you're testing out these new boundaries that you're putting in place right but then that stage three of like but i want my story (laughs) you know i still want to get that sympathy from other people and you struggle with it you realize it doesn't serve you it doesn't benefit you so you may dabble in that a little bit until you realize you know what so much better on the other side of this and and gotcha. so you, you grapple with it a little until you just let it go gotcha that's awesome i mean that's that's fascinating that makes a lot of sense to me and i guess too like um i know it's not a race uh, by any stretch is mm-hmm. there like um I guess it kind of depends as well. Like what I was going to ask is about timing uh, and things of that nature. You probably knew where I was going to go with that. Um, I guess if people aren't aware, it probably takes them a longer period of time. Like how, how do you, hmm. Have you found anything as far as like uh, a pattern with people that seem to progress faster than others or people that choose, I guess it comes down to the choice of healing and, and things of that nature. Is there anything that you found that like, um, underlies that choice or a pattern that surrounds that choice when people choose to heal? Yeah. Biggest word that comes to mind is willingness. Gotcha. Willingness, because if they're resistant, they can have all the tools, the strategies, the support, they're going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And that was the biggest thing. And, and, you know, it's interesting because I really, you know, here I was new to this research and, and I'm trying not to be biased, but like I'm new, you know, and it was my assumption. I was like, wow, I, I assumed that the people who were the hardest hit 
would grow the least because they had the most to overcome, right? That had nothing to do with it at all, nothing. It was the ones who faced it head on. And we have a saying within the PBT Institute, face it, feel it, heal it. It was the ones who did just that, blew the doors off of the ones who just uh, would rather hang on to their story or would not accept it or would numb. Um, you know, and another one was, this was a third group who didn't, who didn't heal. You know, the, this was the group where the betrayer really had no consequences. And, and a big piece of this was, whether it was for religious reasons, financial fear, fear, not wanting to break up a family, whatever it was. Um, and with this group, not only did they not heal, this was the group that I only saw further deterioration of the relationship. And that group by far was the most physically sick. Your broken heart can handle that. You know, so the biggest needle movers were really um, the willingness. How willing are you to let go of the old and, and really move through it? And, you know, betrayal really lends itself to you are creating an entirely new identity. You're keeping all the parts of you that you love, but you're letting go of everything that didn't serve. So like for me, I was letting go of, you know, that my needs didn't matter. This version of me, yes, they do, you know, or you, you have this opportunity to really create, um, if it's even just you're rebuilding you, you create whoever you like. Like, for example, I mean, one of the things that I recreated also, I looked at my old self and I was like, I've always been so hard on myself, really. And, and even the way I spoke to myself, I was like, I wouldn't have a friend in the world if I spoke to them like that. And I, I realized this new version of me, as long as I'm recreating myself anyway, I'm not going to be so hard on myself. So I decided when I would do something that the old me, like, let's say I would get, I get lost wherever I go when I'm driving, just what I do. Right. So I, I would, you know, just be yelling at myself, whatever. I'm like, no, no, everything I do is adorable. <laughs> and not only am I adorable, my whole family has to go along with it. So now, you know, what does my husband do? Uh, you know, if I get lost, whatever, he's that's so adorable of you. <laughs> I love that. And it's just what is, you know, you get to create whatever you like. That's awesome. So yeah, it's a real opportunity, obviously, then. I mean, it's it's one of these times when it just seems, it could be, like you said, so devastating and in, in a form of death, but the whole, I've always liked the idea of the transformation and the, and the uh, having a piece that you have to die for the new to come in. And I've felt like I've gone through a few of these different things, not necessarily in the form of betrayal, but in that that symbolism of like, this has, I have to grow past this. I have to go through something to get to this new version of me. And I have a real deep appreciation and, and love for that. And I, it's not pleasant. It's not a pleasant no. um, experience. I just appreciate what I get out of it. Um, so yeah, I can, I think the, I think that willingness piece really um, strikes me as well as having the desire and, and like just the, and I don't know what else to call it other than, yeah, the willingness is good, but there's like a sense of like, I don't know, there's a, there's a piece of motivation behind it of like knowing that you have to go and forge through it because there's a lot of times it would just, it's easier to not, I mean, you know, the path you know, of least resistance, right? There's um, another, yeah. And there's another saying we have in the community. I have been, I have been saying this my 30 years in business. It applies to every single area of life and it is the most well-loved saying within the community, I'll share it, I'll share it here. 
because this is, I, we see this all the time. You could apply this to anything. Ready? Hard now, easy later. Easy now, hard later. Take your pick. It's going to be one of those two. And what I see with so many people is they go for the easy now, right? This is painful. Let me grab a drink. This is, this is hard. Let me not do it. And it's not like anything changes on the other side, but instead hard now. I'm going to move through this. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm going to have that hard conversation. I'm going to call myself on my own stuff. I, I'm, I'm going to face my demons, slay my dragons. Easy later. I get a version of me that never would have showed up had I not do that, done that. Mm -hmm. So take your pick. It's one of those two. Do you see, um, that's, a, that's a great saying. I was curious too about, um, do you see like, or have you found that it's like a perpetuating kind of like once that engine kind of gets started, like once people have an experience of that, where they go through something hard and find that it's easy later, that it's easier for them to keep going and, and facing the harder things. It's not that those challenges or things become easier because it's always hard to go through that, but they have that their willingness to do it becomes easier for them, I suppose. Like yeah. that's, that's something I found for myself where it's like, I see it. I know that's going to suck. It's going to be hard but my willingness to do it is like, it's much quicker to access. It's easier for me to access. Is that yeah. something that you found too? I found you just have the proof. So you look at it and you say, okay, here I'm facing another huge mountain to climb. And then you reflect back and you say, okay, I climbed a different mountain before. So I know I can. Mm -hmm. and, and I also look at it like, what's the least sucky? <laughs> you know, <laughs> You can look at, you know, and, and I just had a conversation with someone earlier today where it's like, yes, maybe the old version of you chose the easy now where you'd numb, avoid, distract, not deal with, not face, not feel, not whatever. But it's still there where you train this new version of you. Yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. Yes, it's going to be messy. It's going to be sticky. But how do you feel when you do that? Confident, empowered strong, healthy, whole healed. You need to do that enough times to see, okay, which would I rather have? Yes, there's that discomfort, but look what I get when I do it. Or I just avoid it, but it's worse. I'm not building any muscle that way. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, that makes me, um, that just kind of confirms my own life experience with like how I've had to go through things and how I've seen it and reflected upon it as well. And, and yeah, the muscle piece, I like that imagery as well. Cause you know, it is like, um, the, after going through, as you were speaking to you earlier, like taking care of yourself and eating right, like going to the gym and that kind of a thing, that physical part, I definitely started doing that, but it took me a long time to get there. And through that mm -hmm. just type of thing about choosing and being willing to just go to the gym, is the same type of analogy of like being able to like, it's the life, life's the gym, right? Our, our experiences are the weights, like, you know, as we go through and, and process these things and, and are we going to choose and be willing to get ourselves to a point where we can start lifting and be okay with like the resistance that we're feeling from the weight of the experience that we're going through, knowing that the, the outcome is really what we're after. It's, we're, we got to, just do the work to, to get there because the better version of us is on, on the other side. You know? Right. I mean, think yeah. about that. That's why the caterpillar and the butterfly is the symbol of transformation. Think about what goes on here. This caterpillar, you know, on like a random Tuesday is just done being a caterpillar. Right. And think about the symbolism of this it hangs itself from a branch in order to die to the life it's known. 
is willing to be, you know, emulsified, deconstructed, unrecognizable from anything it ever was in order to emerge as one of the most beautiful creatures on the planet, the butterfly. Caterpillar can't become the butterfly if it's not willing to be a little sticky and uncomfortable, just like we can't become that strongest, best, highest version of us if we're not willing to get a little uncomfortable. Yep, that's true. Well, thanks for thanks for sharing all of that. Now, I guess um, just because, like, uh, I'm I'm always just curious by nature. Um, if you wouldn't mind, I'm curious how this went for like your family and like your husband and things like that. I know they had to go through their own. There's other there's other people along with you in your journey, you know. So I'm just kind of curious what this looked like for them. If you don't mind sharing that, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily have things specific. So anything you feel like sharing, I'm, I'm sure. I'd love to hear. It was well. First of all, it was terrifying for me. I'm a very private person. And this is the kind of stuff that gossip thrives on, you know? So it's like, okay, how do I, how do I just be okay with the shame, the judgment, you know, cause when, when you're betrayed, you're in a club you never wanted to be in and you're ashamed about something you didn't even do. Right. So it, it, you face all of it. So I'm like, okay, that's coming my way, but how do I deal with that? And, and just still trying to reach the people I'm trying to reach. Right. So that was my own one of, one of the, the hardest pieces for me and just even moving through it and, and healing, you know, for, um, for my husband, he, he had, a, I wasn't going to do the work for him with the kids or with me, you, you know, I wasn't going to make it easier for him. This was, he had to clean this up if he wanted to, he even on his own called all my friends and apologized for what he did to their friend. Uh, and, and on his own, he just spent the time with the kids constantly um, in the way they needed, letting them know, um, you know, how different he was and what does it mean for all of us and, and, and really all of it. And my work really was making sure my job was making for making sure the kids were OK in the way they needed to hear it from me. I mean, I, I have four kids with the most different personalities ever, and each one of them uh, needed reassurance and growth and everything in their own way. And I'll tell you, we've, we have so much fun now, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like a new family, but all with the same people <laughs> it's right. just, because it's coming from such a place of appreciation. Like my kids on their own, all get together and hang out having nothing to do with us, which is, which is just great. But I, I remember seeing, it was a really big transform transformative moment when, um, with the book, Trust Again, because my whole story was in there. And, um, and I, sat the, I sat everybody down and I'm like, all right, listen guys, it's all in here. And I really expected them to like the kids to be like, mom, come on, you know? Mm -hmm. they, were, they were right behind me. And my biggest supporter was my husband, mm -hmm. you know? And, and I checked my intentions and I'm like, not trying to throw them under the bus, but this is, this is the story, you know? And he was like, you're, you're going to help so many people. So go for it. That's awesome. There's a, there's a number of things about that, that uh, I really enjoy. So thanks. Thanks for sharing that. One was checking in with your intentions. Cause I think that's, um, that's something mm -hmm. I've learned over the last year and a half for sure is like, where, where am I at with my intentions and yeah. what I'm doing, what I'm building in my life. Uh, so I'm, that's really key for me. Um, and then, um, how he showed up to be like your, your biggest supporter. And I'm just, I'm curious too, uh, just because like, I'm, 
I'm interested in, in working, you know, with, with men um, and just kind of how they interpret and how they show up and like how they see things and everything. Mm -hmm. So like, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. You're like, I'm not going to make this easy. He's got to do his own type of work. Mm -hmm. So was there, and I maybe can't speak for him, but I didn't know like maybe secondhand, like what, um, do you know, like, maybe it was communicated to you as far as like what, uh, what it was for him that he decided to do the work he needed to do. Um, yeah. You know, like. sure. Well, the first thing was he lost everybody. He lost me. He lost the kids. So here he was on his own within the first few days, he sold his fancy car, got rid of his, you know, ridiculous clothes, like all this persona that he had created you know, and that was one of the first things that the kids told me. I didn't even, I didn't even know he was, he was still with them, you know, talking to them all the time. And um, so he was bent on changing and, um, and I know, and, and then he would text me and he was like, tell me what to read. Like, what, what can I, you know, what can I learn? What can I, and it was interesting because I'm very spiritual and this was all the stuff that he used to mock and make fun of and now here he was soaking it all up and then he would send me like passages of stuff that he read and what it meant for him and then it was interesting because I had seen uh, a spiritual coach because what happens with betrayal is you don't trust your betrayer you don't trust yourself because you're like I'm a bright person how do I not see how do I not know so you, you venture like I gotta trust in something bigger than me and so I remember seeing her and, um, and, and that's a really interesting story too. I'm happy to share that. But I, but then she, he wanted to see somebody too. So I had him see an intuitive uh, coach, a guy. And it was so interesting because we had become friends and he goes, Debbie, I've been doing this work for 26 years. I have never seen anyone make such a hard swing to being all about their ego and so narcissistic and swing so far in the other direction. I mean, this was clearly a man who had woken up and he's a very extreme person anyway. So he, all of a sudden he's like training so he could be a hospice, like where you go and sit with people. And we, you know, we live in New York. He was going into New York city and sitting with the homeless, telling them they matter. And he was handing out Wayne Dyer DVDs to everybody. Like he just took it to a whole other level. And, um, and then there was, you know, this eventual sort of like balance that that just makes sense he went you know he just became very spiritual and really uh, he would sit hit the guys down in his office the young guys like how not to screw up your life he even started speaking you know we even spoke on the same stages a bunch of times and uh, as a new speaker just it was interesting because he was just so raw and so honest and I've been speaking for years and he would get that table rush to the back of the room that every speaker hopes for. <laughs> and uh, every wife and girlfriend, they were like, can my husband see you? You know, can you talk to him? And it was clearly someone who woke up. Hmm. That's, that's, that's awesome. So the first thing that comes to my mind, and I'm just curious if this came up for you, like, mm -hmm. um, was there ever a sense of like, like, disbelief with that transformation like were you just like I don't like because it was so dramatic you know mm -hmm. what I mean like and so yeah. like so far from one to the other like did it feel even offensive like you know what I mean where it was just kind of like why now like what is this yeah. like what like 
so for me, I, I, I know, in my own body, I'm kind of like, uh, like I would feel like, I don't know about this. Like I, yeah. I already, I already can't trust you. And now I don't know if I, that if that's compounding my distrust even more, because it seems mm-hmm. like, so I'm just curious how, how that went for you and how that was interpreted, like what that process was like, what your experience with like, what that shift was like. Um, if yeah. You uh, that. Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say my ego was raging because, you know, <laughs> on one level it was, Oh, good for you. You recreate this whole new wonderful version of you at my expense, you know, you had to break my heart into a billion pieces to learn your profound lesson. So that was very real. And, um, you know, I had a hard time with that one. I was like, well, that's, I'm really glad you learned, but right. look what you had to do to learn. So I did struggle with that. And I had to do a whole lot of work to, to, to move past that one, you know, and, and, um, but I, but the, the other, so that was a, that was a big piece, but what really had me believe it was how consistently I saw it, number one. Mm. And I did question it, but then I said, well, take a look at your own changes. Are your own changes real? Yeah, they are. So then I looked, I'm like, okay, so if you really can change, you truly, you don't think the way you used to, you don't act the way you used to, you don't do things the way you used to. So you're living proof right here. So is it possible that that could be real for him too? So I think it was because I was doing it as well in, with my own stuff that I was like, well, I guess if I can, who's to say, I'm the, am I the only person in the universe who can change? Is it possible? Yeah. I think that's absolutely beautiful because that's giving, you're giving grace to him in the same capacity, right? You're being able to allow him to, you know, in your mind to to change the way that you did, you know, I think, uh, I, and I don't know if you've experienced this through the people that you've worked with or not, but I, um, I would assume that there's probably folks out there that would be like, like I, yeah, I'm the going through the change because this stuff happened like to me, and like mm-hmm. there's no way that my betrayer, like you know, mm-hmm. can can shift like that, you know. Um, and many and, times they can, and many times they're not willing to, mm-hmm. and then you have nothing to work with. So you heal yourself and you move along. And that's what I was prepared to do. And and that's really it. You can't, and people come into the Institute all the time and they're like, well, just make us okay. And I know that is not the work I do. My work is I will get the betrayed and we, the coaches, you know, I have certified coaches teaching daily classes. We will get that betrayed person to their physical, mental, and emotional best. But at that point, we never know what's going to show up because if that other person is, is just staying right where they are, you've outgrown them. If that person says, I better step up my game to meet the strength of this person, who knows? You may not be interested in them anymore. You may, but it'll be a whole different relationship. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can definitely appreciate that. So yeah, it just comes down to like, yeah, we can't control the things on the outside, really. We can't control mm-hmm. the people. So we just have to take responsibility for our own, you know, healing and our own path, our own journey. Um, exactly. So I find that uh, I just love the, I just love the fact that you were able to reflect uh, that, that you went through that piece where it was like, yeah, like I did struggle with this. And then you came out the other side where you're like, you know, he could do the same thing. There's no reason why he couldn't. So I just love that. I love hearing that. I don't know. There's something absolutely endearing about it. Cause I think that takes a lot of capacity as well. There's a lot through this whole story that just really speaks to like the whole 
transformational process. And there's just so many facets to it where it keeps requiring that piece of you to have compassion for yourself, but also for, for others that really allows that transformation to, to happen. And, and that's for me personally, that was really hard because um, I live very simply and it's, it's, if it's going to hurt someone, just don't do it. And I assume everybody's living by that same rule. And I'm always shocked and amazed that that's not the case. And, uh, and it's so, I have never, and I can say in my entire life, I have never intentionally hurt another human being. And so, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, sh- it's a shock. And then um, integrity, that's my biggest value. I'm with so you. this couldn't have been a worse thing to happen, you know, to, to me, for me, whatever. And then also that I'm an empath that I'm highly sensitive. So not only that, I feel things so deeply. So this was for me, this was a crash and burn like no other. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, I can relate to, to, to all of that, which is, um, which is interesting, I guess, to say, you know, like uh, for, from my perspective, having been, you know, with the, with the word um, integrity, having been on both sides of the equation, it might sound some, somewhat hypocritical, but integrity is definitely something I do have a keen um, respect and, uh, and kind of attachment to. And then I also feel that I'm highly <laughs> empathetic as well and able to feel people um, and read, read, read their situations and read them, you know? So yeah, these types of things are um, experienced like full for anybody, extremely devastating. And that yeah. I can only imagine for you as well, it's highly compounded from, <laughs> yeah. from, from those uh, perspectives. Yeah, that was, that was it. And that's why I was like, okay, you know what, either it's a bad game of hot potato uh, or I'm doing something really big with this because it wasn't even, and I talk about it, trust again, it wasn't even enough. Like the injustice was so big. It wasn't even enough for me to just heal, recreate an entire marriage and family. Like, I don't know that you would think like that would be okay. Well, look what, isn't that a, a, a nice outcome? Yes. It still wasn't enough. <laughs> and like, and I guess it's similar to when, um, someone loses a child to, and I'm not comparing traumas, they all stick. But what I'm the only, the only comparison here is when someone, you know, loses a child and let's say they go around teaching about drunk Mm -hmm. driving, Mm -hmm. it's in some way, um, it's, it's helping them. And that's the only comparison here. Uh, I, I just feel like for me, it was the injustice was so wrong and so big that it, yes, it's great. what happened with our family, but I still need to create an institute and help millions of people. That's one of the things I really love seeing um, is that there's a lot of examples of this type of phenomenon where people go through something traumatic or something deep and profound in their life that's painful and that that's their story. And yeah, they, they heal their their immediate kind of situation, but at the same time, they, it gives them the drive and the impetus and the fuel, the, the passion to create something for other people because it's not, it's not a singular event, right? Like we, we all have this kind of a thing. So it's, it creates out of something more or less pretty, pretty shitty. Like (laughs) there's this beautiful flower that grows out, um, for others, you know? So I love seeing that, that kind of ripple and, um, I think that's awesome when people show up and um, and just help heal 
other people through their process, through their, through their experience, you know, like there's no other, uh, that's one of the deepest ways of giving, I think, honestly. Yeah, so, yeah, I agree. And I, and I feel like it's an obligation. I mean, if you, mm-hmm. if you've been through something and you've come out the other side of it, how do you not shorten someone else's learning curve with what you've learned? Yeah. I just feel like it's, it's an obligation. And it's interesting because you know, we have a certification program. So, so people can be trained in the five stages. And one of the biggest reasons why I have that is because it's like a, first of all, it's like a hack because mm-hmm. you know, you have to, you have to do the work if you're going through it. And all of my coaches and practitioners, you know, they, I know how good it feels when you heal and you share. So, so it's, here's just another way of doing that, but whether it's financial crisis and now you teach people how to make tons of money or a health issue. And now you teach people how to avoid going down that rabbit hole that you went down. I feel like yeah, you, we owe it to each other to mm-hmm. learn something and then share it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That's definitely one of the things I feel like that's what I tell my kids all the time, especially my youngest son, where I'm like, look, like you're just like me. I was like, if I can shave 20 or 30 years off of like, cause I can see what you're doing, like how you're yeah. processing this. I'm like, yeah. seriously, let's not do that for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't want to just keep it within uh, my family as well. Like, because it's the same thing. It's the same idea. Like you said, it's like, just it is whoever I'm meant to reach, I'm, I'm going to reach and whoever I can help, I can help. And I do feel a sense of like, um, yeah, a duty or obligation or, or desire for that, for sure. You know, yeah. and think about it. I mean, just even you having me on as a guest and you have all these other guests on what an amazing contribution you're doing because uh, it's, it's giving people like me a voice, right? So now my message gets out because of your willingness. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's what we're here for. That's awesome. Well, thank you, Dr. Silver. Um, I guess I'll go ahead and just kind of wrap it up. But I'm going to give you the opportunity for, you know, talking about where people can find more about you and, and that kind of a thing. So, yeah, well, we didn't even get to the, the third discovery, which is there's this oh, yes. collection. Yeah, this collection of symptoms, physical, mental and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. So we have the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. We've had over 20,000 people take it to see to what extent. Uh, you're still struggling. So people could just find that at the PBT as in post-betrayal transformation, the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. I will. Uh, I'll take that actually. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I'll be curious as well. Well, I really, really appreciate you being a guest. This was a fantastic conversation and I love your story and, and, the, and the energy. And, and so, and the work that you do, um, I just think it's absolutely profound. I watched your TED talk and after I did, I had to cry because it just struck me. So um, I really appreciate it so much. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right. That wraps up today's episode of The Real Zach Olinger. Thanks again for listening. If you happen to find this episode insightful or valuable, I invite you to pass it along to somebody else because chances are, if you found it valuable, they will too. If you're on Instagram, you can find me at The Real Zach Olinger. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening.